Amen. Thanks so much, Ben. Hey, church, it's great to be with you uh, today. As Ben said, we're in the final of our four-week series looking at 1 John. So if you want to turn to that in your Bibles, 1 John chapter 5 today, and we're looking at verses 1 to 12. Faith in the Son of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And there are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great, if you don't know me, my name is Lee. I work at St. Thomas's, part of the staff team as the associate minister. And it is my real joy and privilege to be part of that staff community, but also this wonderful church here at St. Thomas's. We are a family united by Jesus. We love each other and that's what we long uh, to do for one another. And so today, as we look at faithfulness and community, I hope that each one of us goes out propelled in the knowledge that it is Jesus Christ who unites us and that it is all for Jesus. If you've been with us for the past few weeks, uh, you may have... um, discovered that we actually say a prayer that is written for us by Brogan for this series. And today, the end, the fourth week of the series, we're going to say this prayer together for the last time. And so if you are able, can I invite you to, uh, to stand to your feet? The words will come on the screen and we're going to pray this prayer together with a little bit of gusto, okay? So here goes. Almighty God, We thank you that in Christ we have been brought from death to life and that this life is in community with one another. 
As in your son, we are forgiven and anointed. So through your spirit, may we become loving and faithful. Heavenly Father, may it please you to accomplish this in our lives. Amen. Wonderful. Do take a seat. So for those of us uh, who have been here at St. Thomas's for, for quite a while, even if for those of you who are perhaps new today, our vision as a church is this, to be a church that follows Jesus, a church that loves to build community, and a church that loves the city where God has called us to be and to live and to work. Amen. Amen. So at the start of this year, 2021, uh, we worked our way through the book of Job exploring how we can love Newcastle. It was a great series. Then throughout Lent, leading up to Easter, we looked at the spiritual disciplines which help us to follow Jesus better. And now we're looking at how we can build community together here in Newcastle. And so we're unpacking, or we have unpacked, and today we conclude the book of 1 John. Now, three weeks ago, Brogan spoke to us from chapter one about how we are called to live as a forgiven community. Two weeks ago, James uh, spoke to us from chapter two about how we are an anointed community. And then last week, Ben spoke to us about how uh, we are to be a loving community. Now, this week, we're looking at what it means to be a faithful community. How we are to be faithful to him, even when everything around us is wanting us to be faithful to it, and everyone around us is wanting us to be faithful to them. And we've been thinking throughout this series about how everything around us disciples us, how we're formed by the things and people we surround ourselves with whether that's Netflix, whether it's social media, whether it's people, we're influenced by everything that we live around. In fact, sociologists say this, that we become like the five people we spend most of our time with. Now that for you might be scary, it might be a good thing, I don't know. But God calls us to be faithful to him, his word, and his promises. So the question for us today as as we sit here and unpack this passage together is, how can we be a community that is faithful to Jesus when everything around us literally screams, don't be faithful to Jesus? We're surrounded by different pressures and different temptations to let the world around us form us. But my prayer for us all today, myself included, is that we would know that the best bet to be a faithful community together is to be faithful to Jesus in our hearts. I wonder what your life of faithfulness to Jesus looks like at the moment. John gives us a great account. He gives us us some great pointers to look at within this chapter. And so verses 1 to 5, and this is point 1, it explores how we can be faithful to Jesus. 
verses 6 to 8.2, shows us that God empowers us to be faithful to Jesus. And verses 9 to 12.3, it's Jesus' faithfulness to us that guarantees us eternal life. So let's look at the first thing, how we can be faithful to Jesus, verses 1 to 5. So verse one, it says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. I mean, that alone is amazing, isn't it? And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. Now, John starts this uh, chapter by reminding us that those who believe in Jesus Christ are born of God. We are children of the Heavenly Father. And if we love the Father, we will love his one and only son, who is Jesus Christ. But also, it goes on, if we love God, it will make a difference in our lives. I don't know what your testimony is. Perhaps you're not even a follower of Jesus yet. What does it look like for you? But when I know for me, when I invited Jesus into my life, everything changed. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit later on. Just as in my marriage to Rachel, when I got married to Rach, everything changed. I could no longer go in the kitchen and cook for myself. I had to cook for two people. I could not, no longer talk to myself in my own house because I had company. No, I didn't really do that. But you, you get the idea. Everything changes. Our behavior changes when we're in a relationship with someone else. And that's the same when we're in a relationship with Jesus Everything about us changes. Verses two to three. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commands. Now last week Ben said to us uh, that love is not just a feeling. It's an action. And John hammers this point home again to us this week. If you love God, you put that into action by loving God others by keeping God's commands. Now here's the test. We know if we truly love God by our love for one another because everyone who loves God loves God's people. So may we be a church here at St. Thomas's marked by loving God and loving God's people. You see, our faithfulness in part Our faithfulness to God, in part, is displayed by our faithfulness to his people. But sometimes, if we're honest with ourselves, and maybe we've struggled that with, with, with relationship with people here today, sometimes it can be difficult, can't it? It can be difficult, just being honest. Why? Because sometimes our love for one another demands us to actually look beyond love that is written on our own terms. And instead, it demands us to look to the terms discerned and set out by Scripture, His commandments. And this, this is what true faithfulness, or the lack of it, is when it's exposed, isn't it? When we're faced with situations like that. Many things, many situations, many circumstances in the world today shroud themselves in a deceiving blanket 
of love. But it is not real love unless it is done out of love for God and guided by his word. We know, we know whether we genuinely love someone by allowing God's commands to govern our relationship with that person. We must remain faithful to the ways of Jesus. That is the best example of love we can display to the world today. And the world needs us, you and me, to be boldly and courageously faithful to his word. Verse three, John says, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Hmm? I read that and thought, well, sometimes they are a God, a little bit burdensome. They can be. Really? Let's unpack that. Why is it? Why is it that we think God's commands are burdensome? Because what the world offers looks more shiny and attractive to us. But it isn't. It isn't. Charles Spurgeon said this, There are, in truth, but two denominations upon this earth, the church and the world. Those who are justified in Christ Jesus and those who are condemned in their sins. You see, sin always looks great in the moment, but we know it leads nowhere but death. Yet the world tempts us to believe that obeying God's commandment, commandments is not as satisfying as disobeying them. And then we become trapped into believing that the ways of the world are true and right. And before we know it, we consider that God's ways are burdensome and the world's ways are life-giving. This is a lie. It's not true. Think of a, a situation in our lives where perhaps we're not sitting or we've not sat under the direct truth of God's word? Or where in society today are we straying from God's ways? Perhaps it's a great moral evil. And you know what? The past year, the pandemic, as we've been exploring together, it's exposed, hasn't it? A number of significant issues. Racism. Poverty the silencing of those who are denied the right to a voice, the vulnerable, the unborn. Are we really saying that the consequences of disobeying God over endorsing these particular behaviors and actions will give us a more fulfilled life? No, of course not. God's commands and only his commands give us true freedom. This is the way, church, to follow God's commands. This past week, Rach and I had a, a couple of people around from, from church uh, for a meal. And um, we had a bit of a busy, a bit busy day, and so we had to get the prep right early on in the morning. Now, usually my style of cooking is spontaneous. See what's in the cupboard, 
throw it in, mix it up, and hope for the best. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. The idea of following a recipe is not an idea at all for me. However, this particular morning, Rich had gone to work, and on the side in the kitchen next to my kettle was all of these ingredients. And I was, to be quite frank, overwhelmed. And then on my WhatsApp, there was a recipe. I thought, oh, this is just not me at all. But anyhow, I give it a shot. I literally followed the recipe to a T. Not really ever done that before. And I was left by, uh, there was some ingredients left on the side. And I thought, mm -hmm, the recipe doesn't say that I need to use these ingredients. And then I text Rich and said, what are these ingredients? And she replied and said, oh, I just thought, you know, you might want to be spontaneous like you usually are. And then I got annoyed at Rich for tempting me, <laughs> for throwing me off course. I was trying to stick to the recipe, and Rich came in and thought, no, he likes to wing it. We'll see, you know, we'll see how it turns out. I, that didn't go down well with me that particular day. I was tempted to go a different way. The thing is, God's ways, his commands, his word is the right way. And let me tell you, on Wednesday when I cooked that meal, the guest actually had three lots. It was so good. And inside I was like, yes. It led to culinary freedom for me. Right? That's what the word of God does for us spiritually. Let's look at verses four to five. It says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is how we overcome the world. Not by trying harder, but by trusting in Jesus Christ. You see, the world really does want to overcome all of us. It wants to form us, it wants to own us, it wants to disciple us. The only way out of that trap is through Jesus. Now when John was writing this letter to a group of churches in the Roman Empire, they had all kinds of pressures on them at the time. They were living in a culture that worshipped Caesar, they worshipped pagan gods, they had a hugely different sex ethic to what uh, the Bible teaches us. And John is saying, don't be faithful to the world and let it overcome you. Instead, be faithful to Jesus, who has overcome the world. You see, faithfulness to the world brings nothing but slavery. But faithfulness to Jesus brings freedom. A great evangelist from the 20th century, Leonard Ravenhill. He was born in Leeds, good old Yorkshire man. If you've not heard him before, go on YouTube, Leonard Ravenhill. You can spend hours watching this guy. He's full of the fire of God. He said this, Are the things we are living for worth Christ dying for? Wow. Are the things we are living for worth Christ dying for? Now surely if the world can be overcome... The commandments of God wouldn't be so burdensome. They would be joyful. They would be peaceful and life-giving. Guess what? God has overcome the world. 
Amen? There's an alternative way of falling into temptation. The lies of the world have been unmasked all in and through one person who is Jesus Christ. You see, when we're born of God, we overcome the world because Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Let's be honest, we're going to be faced with troubles in this world and challenges. It's not all going to be shiny and glossy. But Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. If you worship money, you just want more. And it will never be enough. It will overcome you. If you worship Jesus, he will satisfy you eternally, forever and ever, so that you can overcome the temptations of the world. So what do we say? What do we say regarding our faithfulness to the ways of the world? We say no. What do we say? No. What do we say regarding our faithfulness to the ways of Jesus? Yes. And amen. It was Mother Teresa who said, Jesus is not looking for success. He is looking for faithfulness and for obedience. Nothing, nothing can compare to the joy found in living obediently to the way of Christ. We simply cannot enjoy the forgiveness and the friendship of Jesus without submitting to him as Lord. Just think about that. May we remain faithful to Jesus. May we love God and carry out his commands. So the question is, and you might be sat here today thinking, oh, but how do we do that? It can be so hard, Jesus. How on earth can we be a faithful community? It seems such a huge task when people around us, even our friends and our families, believe different things to us. We can do that because we can have faithfulness by power. Verses six to eight. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. It's the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. Now what John's doing here is he's reminding us that Jesus came by water and by blood. In other words, baptism and the cross. The Spirit testifies so that we can be assured of this faith in Jesus Christ. These things are central to us as followers of Jesus today. The blood symbolizing the cross, water symbolizing baptism. The other week when Brogan was speaking, he said the only way to a true community is through the cross, but it is the only requirement. The same can be said here today. The only way to faithful community is through the cross, but it is also the only requirement. You see, the cross 
covers our unfaithfulness. Baptism joins us into the very life of God. The Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 6. He says, Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Wow. Baptism joins us into the work of the cross. In our baptism, for those of us who have been baptized, and if you've not, there's time. In our baptism, we died to unfaithfulness and we were raised to new life. A life of faithfulness to Jesus. It's not something we did on our own and in our own strength, but something that Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And each day we live out our baptism, asking the Spirit of God to put to death by the power of the blood of Jesus everything that is wicked within us. And guess what? This is amazing. The same Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. That is incredible. It's the Spirit of God who equips, empowers, and strengthens us to live a faithful resurrection life. We can have the power that enables us to obey God's commandments, to live a life faithful to Jesus, loving others, that isn't burdensome, but life-giving. How? By inviting the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead to live and reign in us today. You see, the spirit of God accompanies us and transforms us. When I was 10 years old, and before that, I just need a drink of this to get prepared for this story because it was an exceptional time of my life. I was brought up a non-Christian. And uh, down my street, it was awesome, right? There was loads of families. All the kids were out on the streets. I was out on my go-kart every night. And um, it, it was amazing. And we occasionally got up to mischief. Well, to be quite honest, most days we got up to mischief. And I was a bit of a ringleader in that. And um, one particular summer's day, uh, I got the water bombs out, got the buckets out, and um, my mum was completely unaware. She was in the house, and I went onto the driveway, which was actually round a corner, armed with these buckets of water bombs and my friends, right? We had a, it was like an armada. It, we were ready for it. And then I said, right, I'll take the first shot. And um, I'm ashamed to say now, but I tell you because I'm confessing and also I'm telling you because it's filled with the truth that Jesus transforms us. Uh, I water-bombed a granny, <laughs> uh, right, quite literally. And uh, what happened was she was walking by and I got the water bomb like this, I raised it and she looked at me and she went, don't you dare, I'll go tell your mum. And she, did, she knew my mum. Uh, 
But I, something within me just thought, lob it. <laughs> and I lob, I, I threw it. Right? And, and she got wet, and it was not, and immediately I thought, oh my, why did I do that? She went round to my mum, knocked on the door, and uh, as you can imagine, I got really told off. But that was a daily occurrence for me, that kind of thing. Not, not the water bombing, but it kind of, all different kinds of things like that. Um, and then at the age of 10, which is another story, but I came to know Jesus, invited Jesus into my life, and everything about my life changed. I would no longer see a granny walking by and want to water bomb them. I would see a granny, I would love them, and I would want to offer to help them cross the road, for example. Something changed within me forever. And in fact, today, um, I read the passage of Scripture to you from this Bible, which is my very first Bible I got at the age of 10. And I am just reminded today that as God has been faithful to me, I'm called to be faithful to him each and every day. And this is so precious. But here's the thing. Because I was water-bombed in baptism... I now live a different life. Not in my own strength, but in the power of the Spirit. And guess what? This is what happened to me. The same Spirit that convicts, equips us. It's incredible. And knowing God, knowing God is not sufficient enough. We need to know God himself. We come to know God himself by knowing his ways. If our faithfulness is to the world alone, we can only do life in our own strength. It will be a half measure affair. But if it's to Jesus, we do it in the spirit strength. And we can do life and live it in all of its fullness. We will be overflowing. We will be full of power. My friend Leonard also said this, you never have to advertise a fire. It's so true, isn't it? We have loads of bonfires, probably illegal ones, on the 10 foot at the back, and everyone came out on the estate. You never have to advertise a fire. Everyone comes running when there's a fire. Likewise, if your church is on fire, you will not have to advertise it. The community will already know it. So we pray, let's pray now, come, Holy Spirit, we want to submit ourselves to your power, so come and move among us, Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Here's the amazing thing, and this is my third and final point. Of course, we're called to be faithful to Jesus and to live in the truth and knowledge that we're equipped by the power of his Holy Spirit. But it is not our faithfulness that leads to life. But it's Jesus' faithfulness. We can never work our way to eternal life because we're not perfect people. But it is the work of the perfect one who leads us to eternal life. The call on us 
is to believe the gospel of Jesus. And yes, we're going to mess up. But as verses 11 and 12 say, if we believe in Jesus, we get eternal life because he was faithful where we could not be. Verse 11, John says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. This is the beautiful Wonderful act called grace, demonstrated by Jesus on the cross. We so didn't deserve what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But he gave his life so that we can have life. Max Licardo, American pastor, said this, the Bible is a story of two gardens, Eden and Gethsemane. In the first, Adam took a fall, and in the second, Jesus took a stand. You see, Jesus lived the life we should have, but couldn't. Yet he died the death we should have died, but didn't. Also, that you and me could be free and have eternal life. Verse 12, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So what is at the heart of being a faithful community? It's Jesus. Jesus is at the heart of us being a faithful community. He has to be right at the center of our community. Because guess what? God himself is community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The three in one together. So what does this look like for us today? As we go out of these doors in a while. How can we be faithful community? Well, we can simply remind one another that we are forgiven through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. That we're anointed by the word and the spirit. We remind each other by loving one another. How can you be faithful to where God has placed you? You know, it's not easy, is it, being a Christian today? And I suspect the persecution is only going to increase for us. We should be prepared for that church. But let's hold out for God's truth. Ezra says in the um, 2 Chronicles, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Come on church, this is surely what we, what we long for. Let us remember that we're called to be faithful to Jesus, that we're empowered by his spirit, and that God is faithful. And we pray, heal our land, Lord. 
Don't we want God to do that? To heal the land of our lives, to heal the land of our nation, to heal the lands of the world. Come and heal our land, Lord. So over the past few weeks, we've been looking at what it looks like for God to be building community among us here at St. Thomas's. Now imagine, imagine a church that fully lives this out day in, day out. Imagine a church that behaves in a way that models forgiveness, is empowered by the Spirit, holding tight, firm to the truth of God, and is the most loving community on the planet and is sustained by Jesus' faithfulness to us. Imagine the difference that could make here in Newcastle, in our region, and beyond. And now imagine, we're charged by the bishop here in Newcastle to be a church that plants churches. That doesn't just remain, but goes, is missional. Imagine, if we, could, if we could plant lots of these communities across the whole north of England as we serve God's transformation of the north. Imagine the difference this will make in Biker later on this year when we launch an Eden team in that part of our city. The impact could be Nothing short of a miracle. So what we've been looking at over the past four weeks is essentially not our vision for community, but God's vision for community. And we just want to say to whoever you are, to whatever your circumstances are, whether you've been with us for a while on the journey or you're new, that we're so thankful to God that you are with us. And if you've only just checked us out, if you're here for the first time today, we'd love for you to come and join the adventure as we remain faithful to Jesus as we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and sent out into the world to see transformation, as we're a community who displays the wondrous act of love that Jesus did for us on the cross. Amen.